Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we ask the question, is work-life balance a myth? <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Yes. <laughs> I think this is one of those things where we both have opinions, probably strong opinions, and we agree in some places and we probably don't agree in others. Right. So this will be fun. Right. Um, okay, so maybe we start here. What is work-life balance? How would you define that concept as used in the popular parlance? Well, let me just be right up front and say I hate that expression so much. And it may be that I'm a product of how I you know, grew up professionally, but what it what I hear when I hear those words is that you have to have this balance where the scale's exactly in the middle. And like there's half his work and half his life, and they're just perfectly balanced. And that I do think is a myth, by the way. So this, but mm -hmm. this, the way I think of work-life balance is that you have decided what kind of a life you want to create for yourself and the role of work in that life and the role of your life <laughs> outside yeah. of work in that life. And I also believe that it changes because a lot of us raise children and so we're maybe not so available um, in, in on the work side when they're really small or when they're teenagers. And then we're hugely available when we're you know first starting out of school or when the kids are out of the house and we're newly excited. So I know you asked me a simple question, which is yeah. what do I think it is? Yeah. So it, it is this balance that is balance. It's, it's the integration of work and life that is ideal to your situation in this moment. There is no one like perfect work-life balance. Mm. Oh, well, I'll definitely agree with that. I also do not like the phrase because work is a subset of life. So it, it doesn't even make logical sense. So to me, and I, I know that is very, it's very semantic distinction. If anything, it should be work home balance, but work is part of your life. I don't understand. It's always going to be a subset. So it, and the other, and the thing that it implies is that the stuff you do at work isn't your life. It's this thing that you suffer mm. through so that you can have a home life. And to me, it's an indication if someone is like uh, beating the drum for, you know, I need to get my work life balance in order. It's like, to me, it's just a red flag that you, you need to make a change. And it's not about, I don't think it's, I mean, yes, you can set boundaries at your corporate job and not pick up the phone on weekends or answer email on the weekends. But but if you're worried about that, I think you have the wrong job. So the bigger the bigger switch might be, well, let's really think big about this and say, if I'm not happy, you know, what is it? 30% of your 40% of your waking hours are spent at work. If you're not happy with that and you need to set boundaries to keep you away from that, it's just a huge red flag to me. Not that everyone can just up and quit and do something different, but it's a big sign that something is out of alignment. Now, if we're speak, let's just if if we could though. Well, wait, wait, wait. I, if you're going to change the subject, I want to come back to boundaries. Okay, I I just wanted to to focus this on our audience, not the general population. Like we don't have employees listening, so to me, that's a totally different conversation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the boundary thing, though, is that um, if you think it's the job and it's really about how you set your boundaries, you're going to bring that with you when you start your 
your company <laughs> when you start your business. So, you know, I still think that it really behooves us. And I, I see this a lot with women in particular, where maybe we're not as good as set, at setting boundaries. And so sometimes, if especially if you're going to leave anyway, it's a great place to practice boundaries. Like, okay, I'm not going to check my email after eight o'clock at night, or I'm not going to check it during family dinner or when my kid is playing a sport. But I, I would, I guess what I'm saying is I disagree with if, if this, if this thing is dinging in your head, it means you're in the wrong job. Sometimes it means you need to do a better job with boundaries. So, okay. Yeah. Enough I, sidebar. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with that. I just think it's a half measure, but you, you make a good point. If you can't set boundaries, then you're going to continue to have, you know, your clients are going to probably trample all over them too. So, you know, if you quit a corporate job and went solo and you're terrible at saying no to things, then yeah, that's, that's something you need to work on. So, okay. There's, there's, Something you mentioned in there that I want to address, which is the answering email at the dinner table with your kids or during their soccer game. To me, that is, to me, I see that I see that as a problem if you're doing that. But to me, the problem isn't around work-life balance; it's around like the illusion of multitasking. Mm. When I when I hear work-life balance, I hear what you just I hear what you said. When somebody says work-life balance, it's like I punch out of my job that I don't like don't enjoy and I will not engage in that after I'm punched out. So, you know, after, you know, outside of nine to five, Monday through Friday, I'm not doing my job, whatever that means. And, and I'm like, okay, it just seems like such a, to me, that seems like such a draconian block. Not that it wouldn't work. Like I see that it would work. I can imagine that it works for some people, but to me, it's like if you loved your job and it energized you, you wouldn't want to wait that long. You wouldn't want that much time to go by without being able to engage in this thing that energizes you. So if you, I see it as much more fluid to me, it's like, I'm only going to do one thing. Like when we go out to dinner, we're out to dinner. Mm -hmm. When I come home and everyone goes to bed, if I want to check email, I'm going to check email. It's like, if that's what I feel like doing, like, I just don't see the the arbitrary as long as you're not multitasking and trying to do both things at once, I don't see the point of making an arbitrary distinction about what the activity is. I think it, I think it's personal, you know, I think it just depends. Um, it's, yeah, I think we all make different choices for different reasons. Like sometimes we have to retrain ourselves to do certain things. Um, I, I just, this is not directly related, but I just want to address this too. I've, I, I remember this when I was going to school, and I haven't really encountered it much until I talked to a family member about this recently. And this is someone who's graduating from a professional program and is making choices based on how much time they think they'll have available to start a family. And it was really interesting. Wait, 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 say that again. Yeah. Okay. So they're making choices. Like they're coming out of a professional educational program, and they're yeah. making work choices based on this future. You know, I want to have a family, so I need to make sure that I have enough time to do that. And what was really interesting is I was kind of coaching them through this decision process. And when I found what they really love to do, like where their excitement was, and maybe, you know, some intimations of their genius zone was something that they didn't think was compatible with raising a child. Okay. And I said, okay, 
how about you don't have the child yet? How about you go where your interest is and then you figure out how to make it work later when you have real life experience versus you know, handcuffing yourself right out of the block. So anyway, I want to make that point because I think I think people, especially a lot of women, have felt pressured to do that. Like, I need to take a job where I can have a sabbatical for three months or I need to take a job where I can have the summers off even though um, I don't get, I, I don't, I can't do the work that I love. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of trade-offs that are made in the name of work-life balance that just make me crazy. <laughs> so I, I'm not 100% sure I'm following you on this one, though. So maybe, so what are the trade-offs? Think about a young woman, think about a young woman who's coming out of college and, or let's say a master's degree. So they're like in their mid-20s and they have a professional love that they've just dedicated a whole bunch of time to. And then they're thinking, okay, I want to have children. I don't want to wait too long. Um, So I'm going to choose the option that pays me the least because it offers me more flexibility and I'm not I'm cutting myself off from the professional development that I could be doing right now at this point in my career. This is an entrepreneur or this is a person who's going to be like a lawyer or something. It's someone who could well, it's not a lawyer but it's the same idea. You could mm-hmm. go work for a law firm or you could start your own practice. Mm-hmm. Or you could go inside of a big corporation and try to manage your time that way. I mean, it, whatever the the area of expertise, you're typically going to have multiple options. Right. My advice to her was Go where your genius is calling you, where you get the most excited. You can always make it work later. But don't mm. stymie yourself in this idea of work-life balance before the situation is even in front of you. Do you, do, do you with this particular person, did you agree about their assessment that there is no way to have a kid and a career? So she was saying she could do both, but she'd have to dial back on her aspirations on the career side. Hmm. Okay. I guess it's I, I'm probably just stuck because I don't know the details. But certainly, obviously, people make that choice, right? Everyone's got limited resources. It's like part of the deal as a human. You've mm-hmm. got so much time, money, energy, and so forth to deploy, and you need to make strategic decisions about how you're going to deploy the resources. So if you want your, you want to eat your cake and have it too, that doesn't work. Right. You, you make those choices, but you make those choices when you're presented with the options um, versus 10 years before. Okay. Right. Now I'm following you because it, it was the it was making a decision based on like a hazy, distant future. Yes. Another example would be if your health isn't great mm-hmm. and you know that you just can't handle a certain amount of, of physical activity, for example. So, so maybe you you don't take a job where you have to travel every week because it's just too much for you. Totally right. get that, right. right? Make the right decision for you, but make it for who you are now and what excites you and where you want to go next. Because I guarantee if nothing else, where you want to go next will change at some point. Right. Yeah. It's very, that's, that's a very strong signal. Like that thing that you're excited to do is a very strong signal. And I've certainly encountered people who have ignored that signal for so long that they can't remember what they like 10 or 20 years later. Mm. And it, it almost turns into a depression. Like they're they're trapped in this like, here I come saying, help people you like get what they want for free at scale. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't know 
who I like or what I like or like they're they're almost blind to the sensation because it's been ignored for so long. Yeah. Or you're in an environment where nobody ever asks you. Right? Yeah. You're being a good corporate soldier. Mm -hmm. Right. It's I don't remember where I saw this, but it was uh, uh someone was saying like a, a like a five-year-old isn't doing a cost-benefit analysis on how they should spend their time at recess. They're just going to like run around and have fun. And then they're going to go to the next fun thing and the next fun thing and the next fun thing. And, and as you get older and have more responsibilities, it gets more, uh, more complicated than that. But it feels like it gets that ability to detect fun, you know, or fulfillment or just that pull of your genius zone or whatever that, that sort of, um, gut desire level stuff that's not necessarily rational, it seems like that can get so lost that you only know how to kind of move forward based on numbers on a spreadsheet or that sort of thing. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to work. Like if you don't know what you, you just end up like unfulfilled and not like not happy. Is this related or am I off topic here? No, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I think the other thing is that, you know, we change what we want over time. And in the case of kids, kids grow up and our roles change. And so, but you're, you're the constant. And so, yeah, who, who you are as the parent to a, a, an infant, a five-year-old, a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old are very different. And so, yeah, it's all about how you figure out the life you want to live and what role all the pieces play in it. And they don't have to have firm boundaries unless you're a firm boundary kind of person. Right. I feel like I, I don't want to just be like, you figure it out. You know, like what, what's a framework for thinking about this that people could maybe drill into the concept, the popular concept of work-life balance in a useful way. So if you're, if you're concerned, like I'm not concerned with work-life balance. It's not a thing that I think about after years of carefully constructing my air quotes work in a way that suits me just constantly mm -hmm. following the, what do I feel like doing today? Given the goals I've set, but I don't think about, I set a goal. I create systems that I think might reach the goal. I create metrics that are going to let me know if I'm on the road or I'm in the ditch toward that goal. And then I create a system tactics that are fun and frictionless and uh, quick or easy or energize me, whatever they are. And I'll swap through tactics like, ah, oh, this like podcast tour is really a drag right now. I'm going to switch to a different tactic, same system, same goal, different tactic. And after years of doing that, it's like, you know, like going on vacation is way more stressful than, than any of my weeks. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, mm -hmm. it's all up in the air. It's all, you're managing four schedules in real time and four people's emotions in real time. And, uh, you know, and all of that versus the relatively, I guess, comfortable adventure versus routine or habits, habits. Yeah. Habits, right. All my habits get not, not all of them, but a lot of my habits get thrown out of the window on say a vacation or something like that. Some, some unusual event enters my calendar and it could be anything, you know, training for my next black belt or, um, Thanksgiving week is usually a you know, <laughs> a meteoric <laughs> event. So stuff like that. And that would fall into the life category, 
the home category, you know, the, everybody says it's like, oh, I almost need a vacation from my vacation. Like you get back and you're like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. so drained. It's like, that's, that's definitely me. Like it's fun while we're there and I'm focused on it. We just got back from Disney. It was an absolute blast. We went on like every roller coaster we could find and it was hilarious and fun. Uh, when we got back, I was very happy to be back. I was happy to be there. I was also happy to be back. <laughs> I guess the point is, I feel like people like us, that's the goal. Maybe, maybe large part, like, would you agree? Like most, most people that are interested in doing, that are doing what we're doing, building an expertise business, this is probably just confirmation bias on my part, but I feel like most people are trying to create a business that serves their life, that they enjoy, that energizes them. And then if this popular culture work-life balance starts to creep into their mind, it just means they've got some work to do to get back to the things that energize them and, and do more of those and fewer things that drain them. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree. I, I, I maybe reword a couple things. One is that, at least in my universe, most people don't say work-life balance, which is kind of interesting that we chose that for the title of this episode. Yeah, I can't remember how um, it came up. I don't, I don't usually hear those words unless it's like on a podcast and because we, we want to give a name to this thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that everybody goes through their own version. Not everybody starts an expertise business because they want more flexibility. Sometimes it's they just well, I guess that is flexibility. I started to say they just don't want to follow somebody else's um, beat. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to make their be their own drummer. Mm -hmm. um, and other times it was sudden because they lost a job and mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out what to do next. I just interviewed on the podcast a couple of of people who said that um, you know they had they didn't realize they were starting a business like they lost their job and they're like I'll just do this thing until <laughs> right. and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah I guess I have a business so those kinds of things happen too but I I and the thing is I guess part of the reason why I, I never like that phrase work life balance is it implies that there is this perfect nirvana point and then you get to it and nothing ever changes. And that's just not life today, right? In fact, um, I used to say that you recognize work-life balance in your rearview mirror, like you were in it for a moment, and then you're out of it on either side, too much work or too much life. Yeah. You know, so I think that's that's the thing. And it's it's really, I hope this doesn't sound disheartening, because I actually think of it as, as energizing and having a lot of potential, that our definition of this changes and it's always changing. So we're always um, adjusting to um, working a little more during a big project, working a little less or none because we want to take our family on a great vacation. Um, or if I want to go climb mountains for a weekend and just disconnect, I'm going to mm. do that. Or if I'm going to climb mountains and check email when I set up camp at the end right. of the day. Right. And that's the point is part of the reason why many of us do this is to have that flexibility and still do something that is deeply meaningful to us. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction. I, I, I think about like literal balance a lot, like literally balancing on one foot. And, and to me, it, it never it never really occurred to me, although I do think you're right that people mean it this way, that there's a perfect work-life balance. But for me, balance is always a, a constant constant corrections it's constant like if you're if you're you know doing a roundhouse kick and you're practicing it and you're up on one foot and you're going to do 20 in a row you're not like your bottom leg is not a you're not like a statue 
you know, it's this, mm-hmm. it's this subtle, there's subtle movements and there's subtle corrections, constant, constant subtle corrections to keep yourself in balance. The, I think the, the, the metaphor is instructive too, because there's a, there's an ideal when you're, if you're trying to balance on one foot, there's an ideal. Like if you fall over, you've failed, you know, that's, that's away from the ideal. You want to be making the smallest possible corrections and staying upright. There's like a, there's a goal. It's a clear goal. Uh, and with your, with your air quotes, work life balance, if you don't have a clear, like you need to have some kind of measurement. You need to be able to measure how balanced you are, like how stand up straighty you are. And for folks who are operating, let's, I'll just use myself as an example. I can feel myself getting out of balance when I don't feel like doing things that used to be fun. And so I need to do, I need to have a correction. So I am like, and I think I might be very, very highly attuned to that feeling where at the beginning we were talking about people who don't sense that at all. It's like, what are my feelings don't matter. Let's look back at the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I think I am highly attuned to how I feel about any given activity I do in the day. I, I, I don't know how compared to other people, but I am extraordinarily attuned to it. It's, it is like glaringly obvious to me if I feel like doing one of these things on my to-do list, if there's one I keep on skipping <laughs> and it's very easy to see and yeah. feel. And so then it, it immediately raises this flag in my head. And it's like, maybe I, maybe I should just be honest with myself. I'm not going to do this. I don't, I obviously do not want to do this thing. I'm not excited to go do this thing. Is it critical? Is there some other way I could accomplish the same goal? Could I swap something else in there that might be more fun if only because it's novel and new and I could find out whether or not I like that thing. So to me, it's, it's a very similar thing. So it's, I mean, in a sense, I'm balancing, I just, the, to me, the homework or the work life, it's meaningless. It's like, it's a thing I'm going to, uh, I need to do, or I know I, because my, my system says this is what needs to happen today. Uh, whether it's setting up the Christmas decorations in the front yard or getting ready for a webinar on Thursday. And if I've, and I can instantly feel which one I'm like more excited about, you know, maybe a lot more excited. Which, maybe which one, which one is it? The webinar by a mile. <laughs> I knew that. In answer. case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> I mean, the, the Christmas decorations are fun, but the webinar is going to be super fun. So it's, I can feel it pulling me. And if there was something, I don't know, I could probably think of something on my, my to-do list that I am, am really not looking forward to. Actually, I can't think of one, but th- there probably is one. And if it's a one-off, I'll probably just do it. But if it's a recurring thing, I'll really think about it. My point being, it doesn't matter to me if it's a work thing or if it's a, a life thing or whatever you want to call it, a home thing. It's about, do I feel like doing this regardless of what it is? And if I don't, then maybe it's on the chopping block. Maybe it's something to look at. Because you're, because you're an integrator. That's how I think of the way you describe your style. You're an integrator. Like It doesn't matter what it is. Everything just flows through. Yeah. And you decide in that moment, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do it? Um, and you might make priority decisions at different times. Like you might prioritize work sometimes. You might prioritize a family thing sometimes. Um, maybe because it's fun. Maybe because it's essential. Um, you know, somebody's sick and, you know, you got to be the guy, right, to step mm-hmm. up. So, th- you know, that happens. So that's what I think of as integrating what you're doing. And 
I like that that works for me, but I still have some additional boundaries around that. But there are also people who um, do put more strict boundaries on the flow between personal and work. And I'm not here to say that's a good or bad idea. I think it's whatever works for you. I don't see it as much with our soloist expertise people. Mm -hmm. There tends to be a lot more flow between the two because you're the one that's not going to an, an office. You're probably the, the one that's doing some of those other things in the middle of the workday, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, running to the store to pick up milk or picking up the kids or... Who, me, me specifically? You know, anybody. Yeah, not just you. It's, it's the person who has the expertise business is often, if they're in a partnership with a person who is working a conventional schedule Mm. you know you're probably the one that's doing more of those kinds of things i mean i would expect maybe maybe not but Mm. yeah so i don't see very many i saw a lot more in my in my consulting big firm consulting life but i don't see very many people that have really firm this is work and this is business and never the twain shall meet i I don't see that very often with our group yeah with our group yeah so is this a waste of time? <laughs> I'm wondering if we should just hit delete now. But but no, but I think I I, I do think it's still a question because it, and it comes down to boundaries. I think mm-hmm. it's it becomes easy if you don't have a set schedule to allow your time to get hijacked by things that you don't value in the name of work or in the name of your life. And so an example of that would be um, you have extra time. So you go, oh, you know, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to start this podcast. And it, it, it eats up a ton of your time. Let's just assume for, and you're, you're just, it's not getting the result that you want. Or you're like, okay, I guess since, you know, I'm around more, I'll take the kids to all of their doctors and dentist appointments. Like nobody mm-hmm. wants to do that. <laughs> nobody. That is not on anybody's joy list, guaranteed. So, so you, you know, it, it it can become easy if you don't have boundaries to or or strict boundaries. Everybody has some um, to wind up using this extra time that you've created to do something else that you're not valuing. Um, maybe it has value, mm. like, you know, your kids do need to go to the doctor and the dentist, but it, it's not, it it's, doesn't feel like genius zone time for sure. Right. And maybe not even in your competency zone. Right. If, if, <laughs> if you're not good with, you know, setting appointments and schlepping people here and there. Yeah, I'm feeling seen right now because that's, <laughs> that's the danger with me is that my boundaries have to be around the personal stuff because there's this, un- you know, I'm a homeowner. So like there's an endless to-do list. You know, our house is over 100 years old. Like there's not a there's not a right angle in the thing. There's not a there's not a wall that couldn't be sanded, you know, molding that couldn't be sanded and repainted. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. no end. So at a certain point, you're right. It's like I have I have way more boundaries. I have to have way more boundaries on that side if if, you know, solo income, right? Or sole breadwinner or whatever it's called. Yeah, I could I could be sanding molding for a month and not be done. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I do have to do some stuff to keep the, the money machine turning, right? So right, uh, right. And the and the other thing about that, and I just you know we just did a big DIY bathroom renovation. Talk about out of my genius zone. Like, <laughs> I I can kind of do construction, and it was a it was it was a family project. It'll create. It's going to be a memory. 
for forever. Remember the summer, <laughs> mom and dad destroyed the bathroom. <laughs> and I mean, it, so it, it had lots of benefits and, you know, whatever, but it was very draining when it got, it got to like risky stuff that I felt like I only had one shot at, or it was, you know, it was just like, this needs to be done. Like I'm, I'm going to get one shot at, I don't know, seating the tub. And if I get it wrong, it's going to be wrong for the rest of my life. Like it's not going to get. You're going to keep you know, looking at it. I'm going to keep looking at it for the rest of my life. So that to me, that's stressful. That that is a source of stress for me. Really stressful. You know, there's like a whatever three thousand dollar tub or what, I don't even know it. Erica paid for it, but it was like I'm like okay, this whole project is basically my 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 satisfaction at the end of this project is hinging on me putting this thing down level and correct and cementing it the way it's supposed to be. And like if it's wrong. We might as well start over, which we're not going to do. So um, stuff like that is wait. I don't encounter that kind of stress at work ever, mm-hmm. not even close. Yeah. So it's so so now you did you finally roped me in because the the life stuff is way more stressful to me because I'm not as good at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, it just it just struck me. I I uh, spent the last week. Well, it's been longer than a week. We need a a, a new chandelier for the di- over the dining room table, mm-hmm. and I'm a really visual person, but like I'm not a designer. Like I can't look at something and go, "Oh yes, that's perfect. It's exactly the right dimensions, right?" And I'm looking at it online. So what I did is I created. I took a bunch of uh, news newsprint newspaper and I taped it together into the dimensions <laughs> of this thing, and I put a big string around it. And Harvey's a lot taller than me, so I had him hang it off the. There's like a fan fixture there. I had him hang it off there, and we lived with it for a week to <laughs> see. Like, <laughs> I know exactly, but that was stressful because it's a it's a thing. It's it's a very expensive thing that we would buy. It takes like four months to fabricate. And then um, if you want to return it, there's a big restocking fee. And plus, we'd have to start all over. So, you know, I've wasted like six months in thinking about it. And so, and I didn't want to order it till I was sure. That was stressful. I mean, it was kind of fun, too. But the math (laughs) part of it, like then the dimensional, like all that stuff, I kept putting it off because it just didn't feel like it was going to be like fun and I was going to have to think too much about like dimensions like I don't like to do that um so yeah I mean it, it just but you could some people could have this in their work life like where you're trying something new like if you've been like doing a thing like serving clients that way and you're gonna shift to uh, coaching them on a thing or having an advisory on the thing. You know, those are the things, you know, especially at first that can feel really hard mm. because everything is new. And even if you're excited about it, it's still stressful. Yeah, it can be. I mean, yeah. I get it. I think uh, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking like, why do I get so stressed? Why do we get so stressed out about that stuff? And and one of the, certainly one of the factors, the contributing factors for me is the physical space versus digital space. Because for me, I feel so much more free in the digital space. It feels, everything feels so much less risky. And in the physical world, physical space, it's, it just feels way more, there's no undo. Or, or like undo is a very expensive thing, like you said, with the, you know, mm-hmm. sending the thing back. It's literally expensive if you want to undo that decision. But in the digital realm, it feels like it's a lot less expensive to undo stuff. Yeah, I think I I feel on balance that generally speaking, that is 
true for me and why I get more stressful with like woodworking or whatever, assembling the greenhouse or. But for some people, it's the exact opposite. Right. Right. It's everything digital feels scary because you've never done it before or you've never allowed your voice to be heard a certain way. I mean, I just realized Mm -hmm. um, I was getting a little nervous in in the first third of this podcast because (laughs) I did this rant. I never talk about work-life balance this way in public. I mean, I've said my, you know, the elements of my rant privately probably a gazillion times, but yeah, (laughs) it felt a little scary. Like, okay, haters, come on. Out on a limb. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I, I think that what scares us varies from person to person. Mm. That's interesting. Because normally I say follow the fear, but some of the things we're listing here, it's not it's it's not that. So oh, that's that's an interesting distinction. I usually it's like the thing that scares you, probably the thing you, you should yeah, probably the thing that is the way, the obstacle is the way. Like the thing, you know, eat mm-hmm. eat the frog first or whatever. <laughs> and uh all of that stuff, I generally subscribe to that. It's like the thing, that, but 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 there's a there's a category that I never noticed before. There's like a categorical assumption there, which is that it's it's probably something in your genius zone. The goal on the other side is something in your genius zone. It's it's like a a leap up to the next level or something. Yeah. Versus the upward spiral. Yeah, the upward spiral. Right. Versus, is it just something that you should do a different way or eliminate from your life? That's that's where I go to that genius zone system where you have your zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Okay, and, right. And I think you let that guide you. Because yeah. a lot of us, you know, we do things that are in the excellent zone because we like doing them. We enjoy them. We just haven't discovered the genius yet. Right. Yeah, because after we finished the bathroom, I seriously considered selling all the tools we bought. <laughs> You didn't tell me that. I, I don't think I've told anyone that. It was like, I, I've set myself up for more of this incompetence by having these tools. Yeah. So the question becomes, do I want to become competent? Do I want to get to what, a genius zone here? I definitely don't want to get to a genius zone with woodworking or construction. Not interest. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Do I want to get to a place of competence? Well, what's the point? What would be the point of getting to a level of competence? Because I'm somewhere in between incompetent and competent. I'm like I'm like halfway to competent, and depending on the nature of the the work. But anything that's going to be like in the house, like attached to that, like I can make stuff for the garden easily enough. But if it's going to be part of the house, if it's not, if I don't feel like I did at least a competent job, I might as well not. Have, I might as well have hired someone, you know, because it's just going to bother me. So I mean, so this is the kind of thing that goes through my mind. It's like, hmm, yeah. It's not fear that I would, that I would, it, it wouldn't be a fear response to like selling all my tools and saying, look, I'm just not doing this anymore. I'm, I mean, no. that was fun. I don't hear any fear. Thing. No, it's not fear. No. It's like, that's not a path I want to continue down. Like, it, so the question becomes, have I gone far enough down the path to say, okay, that was a fun project and I'm, I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> the, the voice so far that's won out is like, well, we're not selling this house or it's con- just going to continue to get older. And I do like the self-sufficiency of being able to, to make minor easy repairs. So perhaps the, you know, perhaps the lesson, maybe I'm just talking to myself at this point, is just like no more big projects, hire people to do that where it's, it's just too risky 
in terms of it's the bet. It's the place in the bet. It's like, do I want to, I, I would never place another bet like we did on the bathroom. Yeah. So, so what that is, it, a way to look at this to, to make the decision is to think about the upward spiral. And we're talking about your whole life, not just like a piece of it. Right. And so the question becomes, does doing this put you on the, an upward spiral? Like, is that the way that you want to spend your time going forward? This is not about what you did in the past, right? Because right? that's already done. It's, do you want to do that going forward? And you just answered yourself, no. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sell the tools. You paid for the tools with what you saved on the on the other job. But you could look at them very differently and say, those are the tools when I need them versus now that I have them, I have to find a way that I'm going to use them more. Right. 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 They call you. Like your tools call you. And I don't just mean the physical, you know, miter saw. I mean, like even digital tools and systems. They're like sitting there. There's like they're, they're leveraged. Mm-hmm. There's this superpower. In a yep. sense, you've created you've created through investment or practice or whatever, you've created this ability to multiply your input force to create a bigger output force. So you, your capabilities are higher, and they, it feels like they're calling you, like, yes. "Oh, it'd be so easy to just do this thing. It'd be so easy to do this thing." Uh, but now, now, we're, now I'm thinking opportunity cost, right? Like, what is a? How would you rather spend your time? Would you rather watch golf or you know all weekend or spend the whole weekend in the garage? I mean, neither. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, none of those is calling to me. Thank you very right. much. I, I love that because you just put into consciousness what I was feeling about my real estate business. Mm. Because when we sold the property, I had created all these systems because I was thinking, well, you know, I'm going to do more. And so I have all these systems. And, and some of the obvious signs of that system was I had an email address for that business. And mm-hmm. I shut it down. Like I just, I had to, and I wasn't getting a lot of emails to that address, but it reminded me every day when I opened my email that it was still there Mm -hmm. and it was like kind of niggling at my self-consciousness. And I'm like, no, I don't want, I need to close this. And that for me, that was the zone of excellence. I think I did a really, really good job. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of what I did. Um, was it genius zone? There was a little, little tiny, less than 10% piece of it that was genius zone. The rest of it was either competence, incompetence, or excellence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they call to you. So there's a, there's an argument to be made there to just shut those puppies down. I know. It's a strong one. It's the same argument I have also failed to to <laughs> to follow through on. To, I, I, sh- I have a lot of musical instruments taking up space in the house that I do not use. Mm. not not twice a year maybe once a year and i always pick up the same cheap acoustic guitar when i do why do i have ten thousand dollars worth of gear collect literally collect i literally dust them collecting dust i just put a drum set in storage so that we had room for for the thanksgiving we rearranged the house for thanksgiving so we can fit like 20 30 people and just like oh the drum set's in the way let me dust that thing off and and take it to the storage space. So you're paying for storage on something that you don't use. Use, right. But there's the well, it's a long story, but I have I haven't, you know, I haven't pulled the trigger. Like I it's definitely yeah. they're artifacts of a previous life. 
which is not my style. Well, and that's, it's funny you, you use that word because the artifact is exactly what I was thinking about. So maybe having your beautiful guitar full of memories mounted on the wall is exactly the thing that you need to remind you of that time in your life. But that's the only artifact you need. The drums can go. The cheap acoustic one can go. I mean, I don't know. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there as ideas. But I think, yeah, I, I, I think this is common for a lot of us where we have these things from a particular time in our life. And the older we get, the more stuff we have mm. like that. And then you just decide. I mean, I threw away. There was a period in my in my uh, 30s where I was giving all these parties. And I would do these really interesting invitations. And I would do a menu so I had saved all the invitations and I'd saved the menu and I did the menu again on the same little thing, only so I wouldn't repeat myself. If I had the same people, I wanted it to be more interesting. And I have this file folder full of these things. And I really had fun looking at them. And I'm like, oh, I would so not do this now. I tossed them. Mm. Like, I just don't need to, I'm not going to pull it out and look at them. I don't want to mount them someplace. Like, I don't need these anymore. But it was, yeah, I think we all have that. And I just realized how off topic we have gotten. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, now we're now we're into Marie Kondo territory. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so probably there'll be a. We have fed each other in going off the rails today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Usually, one of us pulls the other one back. Well, the 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 uh, the dear listener can get a glimpse into what it's like before and after we hit record. It sounds like this, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So if we do pull it back, what does it all boil down to? It's how it makes you feel. It's like having that feelings compass and listening to it and then making decisions based on it. I think that's that's probably bringing it all the way back. That's where the work-life balance thing comes from. And, and to just reiterate the point, the work-life balance people, I think, are by definition, it's implied that work doesn't make them feel good. I, I don't I don't usually interpret people saying I need to improve my work-life balance or you need a better work-life balance. I don't interpret that to mean that they love work and home and just don't have enough hours in the day to do everything. It feels a lot more like they don't like the work or mostly don't like it and want to do less of it, but it's exceeding its boundaries and encroaching on the stuff they actually like doing, which is home stuff or entertainment or just regular hobbies, life, church, whatever it is the everything else outside of work stuff. And if you do, if you are insensitive or if you numb that detector of being like aware of how a particular activity or whatever is, if you become numb to that or blind to it, it feels kind of like a dangerous place to be. It's like not knowing when you're hungry. Like if you don't know when you're hungry or if you think you're always hungry, that's a problem. Well, or you're you're in a rut. I mean, that's the, kind of the next step of that, which is you're so used to doing things a certain way or being the person who does all of the X job in the home or at work um, that you just don't think there's another way. It's not even that you're numb to the feelings. It's that you're just like, well, this is how it is. I guess that is numb. But yeah, it, if you do it yeah. long enough, you'll you'll lose the ability to detect it and you'll have to regain that ability which is difficult because it becomes so complicated like your responsibilities become one like for someone who whether it's work or home once your responsibilities start to really take over and you you just white knuckling it through most of your day every day 
and you're just working for the weekend. If somebody says, thank God it's Friday to me, I'm like, you need to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Those are not people you want to hang around with. Right. <laughs> generally speaking. Right. So, well, we've, we've been all over the road here. I, I don't know if we've made a point or not, but maybe people will just enjoy the glimpse behind the scenes of our, <laughs> of our thought process when we're actually talking about something that we haven't, we haven't talked about this really. We haven't. We haven't. I think that's why it was so so much fun to kind of do that. And this is the last episode that we're going to publish this year, 2023. The next one will be on, I believe, the f- uh, 1st of January first, or the 2nd. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the 1st. It's the, the Monday. So we'll we'll have um, something very crisp and clean for the new year. But this was just, it was so delicious. And thank you for indulging us. <laughs> yeah, I had fun. Yeah, so, so we'll did have, I. We'll have two weeks off to respond to your hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Which does energize me, by the way. <laughs> I won't say it energizes me, but it's always interesting. <laughs> no, I'm sure no one's going to send us hate mail, but but we probably missed a thousand things because this isn't a topic that we generally talk about. Really, I don't even talk about it that much in private. So um, we're yeah. just kind of ranting around the, the edges. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Michelle Moulton. We hope you have a happy new year. See you in 2024. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>